The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. You're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend, we discuss talks from the most recent general conference of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's right. We share some insights, we make some connections, and hopefully have a bit of fun as we study the words of the men and women God has called to direct His church in these latter days. I'm Shelby Stanfill. And I'm Chanel Nielsen, and this is episode 15, where we're talking about Do What Mattereth Most from Sister Rebecca Craven and Elder Renlin's Your Divine Nature and Eternal Destiny. So these were two great talks from the women's session. And I'd love for you to start us off, Shelby, and tell us just where, tell us where you want to start. What do you want to talk about first? Well, I think for most of us, the one that I remembered the most from these two talks was Do What Mattereth Most by Rebecca L. Craven because she shares the story about the ice cream. Yes. I don't know if you remember that, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners, they just smiled because they remembered the ice cream story. And that really stood out to me as the point of ministering and loving others. It's not necessarily getting it perfect, but just acting and doing what the spirit is telling you in the moment to do, um, to minister to those, to love those around us. And the story of the ice cream is that the sister felt like she needed to go see another sister um, in her ward and she didn't want to be awkward. So she thought she'd bring ice cream and they ended up sitting on the porch talking for hours and the ice cream melted and turns out that sister was lactose intolerant. So it didn't even matter. And so it just goes to show that you really never know. You could bring the ice cream as a comfort for yourself, but really what matters is that you're going to visit with another individual um, and I don't know, just talk and figure out what's going on. Right. And so I just loved that, especially with the ministering efforts that the church has been um, pushing more. And, and since we've changed from visiting, teaching and home to home teaching to ministering. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that more um, about the whole concept of ministering, but I'm glad you brought up this story because that was definitely the place that I wanted to start too. And I had a lot of thoughts with this um, particular story, one of which was she said it was something interesting stood out to me. The lady who felt prompted to visit this woman said she hardly knew her. It just didn't make sense. And I just thought that's so interesting because how often does that happen? Like, why me? Why are you sending me? I don't know her. Like, how am I going to go do this? It's going to be awkward, like you said. And so it's just, we get caught up kind of in our own head and kind of hold ourselves back or have this whole argument with the spirit and try to, you know, make sure we're doing the right thing and can almost talk ourselves out of it. Um, I think that can happen with thoughts about ministering too. And I see a lot that people are a little confused about ministering and then they don't know what to do. So they don't 
necessarily do anything. Um, Have you any thoughts about, especially when it comes to ministering, doing what mattereth most? I'd love to hear kind of anything like connection between those two. I feel like now bear with me here because I just, this just popped into my head while you were talking, but hopefully it connects. I remember being, I think I was 19. I was working at Disney World and um, I didn't have my car because I was from California. So I was using the bus that they have for the college students to work at Disney. And I had went to Walmart and I bought myself some chocolate chip cookies and I was taking the Walmart bu- Walmart bus back, right? Like back to the complex. And I felt so impressed. Like I had looked up and like to my right, there is this man, you know, sitting there. Never, I don't know his name. I've never seen him, but I felt so impressed to go up and offer him my cookies. And it was the most random thought you could have like this lady had. And I sat there trying to rationalize, like, I don't know him. What, what is going to come of this? Like, I don't understand why I'm supposed to give him cookies. Well, we're halfway through the ride. So I'm like, okay, well, I better do this soon. Anyway, I get up and I say, Hey, my name is Shelby. And I don't know why, but would you like a cookie? I just bought some from Walmart. And he looks at me and he tells me no. And I'm like, (laughs) Hey, what was, what was the point of that? And, but what that led to was just a discussion, like just introducing myself, telling him where I was from, where he was from. And it actually led to a discussion about Christ and the church that I go to. And he had been looking for a church while he was out there in Florida. And so I shared and I invited him and I think I had the missionaries numbers in my phone. So I gave him the missionaries phone number. And I think honestly, rookie mistake, I think I forgot to get his phone number because I never heard or saw for him saw him again once we got off the bus. But I think the connection there of what matters most is making that human connection with another child of God, mm-hmm. right? Because Heavenly Father sees us both in the same light. And sometimes we can have an awkward encounter and they might tell you no to the cookie. But what mattered more than the cookie and him saying no was that I connected with one of his children. And even though I never saw him at church and I never saw him again, that was a seed that was planted and he'll remember, oh yeah, one time a lady on a bus offered me a cookie and she was really nice and she was from your church. I'm proud to be that lady that offered a cookie, right? So I just think that's what matters most between getting in our heads and then what actually matters. It's not actually the cookie. It's the connection with that other person. Yeah, I love that so much. And what's standing out to me is the Spirit speaks to us in our own language. It, it talks about this in the scriptures, that the Spirit is going to speak in our language. And the Spirit will give us what we're ready for. So maybe it would have been a lot trickier and there would have been this internal argument if the spirit was like, hey, Shelby, go strike up a conversation with this random guy you've never said talked to before. And yet there was like a little bit less resistance because you had something to hand him. Like, okay, here's a, That's you a just bought point. these cookies, just share the cookies. That's like a normal, right. you know, sort of normal thing to do, right? <laughs> right? And so it just, the spirit's going to, help us to do the right thing and lead us. And so that's what's standing out to me. Like that's what mattereth most in that moment. It's whatever the spirit tells you to do. That's Mm -hmm. what matters most. I love that. And in the talk, like from the actual talk, she says, being a disciple of Jesus Christ involves more than just hoping or believing. It calls for effort, movement, and commitment. It requires that we do something 
like offering ice cream or bringing a cookie, right? That's my opinion there. And then it continues with being doers of the word and not hearers only. So I absolutely love that because when people are confused about ministering, kind of what you mentioned at the beginning of this talk, we kind of get held back because we're not sure what it requires is just effort. And that effort can be whatever comes to your mind, even if it's the most random thing, right? Because it really, that effort, once you take that first step and move, it will lead to something. It's not like you're just going to, I mean, if you ask someone if they want something like a cookie, they're going to either reply yes or no, but that's going to lead to something, right? And so it does require us to take the first step and move on. And then Honestly, nine times out of 10, you're uplifted from that conversation. I don't think I've ever had a random conversation with a stranger that I'm not like uplifted after. I'm like, oh, that was cool. I just talked to a random stranger and they were really nice. (laughs) Yeah. And so often the Lord like puts those opportunities in our path if we are willing to listen and take that next step and do, like you said. Um, She says something in here later about doing the gospel. Um, let's see. She says, I invited my new friend to start doing the gospel of Jesus Christ, praying, studying, serving others and trusting in the Lord. And I love that phrase. I don't think that's something that we hear very often to do, do the gospel. And yet it is a gospel of action. It's not just, I've often thought of it this way. Like sometimes I go to church ready to, um, like, eat, ready to feast, like give me the passively, like I'm here, give me the feast that you've prepared, you know, teacher and speakers and whatever. And other times when I'm really in the right spirit, I go to church ready to act, ready to do, meaning whatever the spirit prompts me of sit by that person, talk to that person, write that thing down that you just heard. Um, that little insight that you got while the person was speaking that is not even what they're talking about, write that down so you can go and do it or send even a text right then and there in, in relief society to whoever the spirit just told you to do. And I think that has, that's all connected. Doing the gospel um, is very active instead of being a passive um, that sometimes I'm definitely guilty of, of, you know, passively accepting the gospel without doing the gospel. I completely agree. And I would, I would add this. I think it's hard because we get set in our ways of going to church and sitting by our friends and, oh, my kids go play with that family. And I sit by this person in really society or like whatever it is, you kind of get stuck in your, in your ways. And so it takes, um, effort, it takes change in our mind to be like, okay, well, I'm going to sit by whoever the Lord prompts me to sit by today. Like I'm going to church to do what he wants me to do. And that can feel uncomfortable because you're so used to doing the other thing. But when we do that, I mean, I've done that before and it's, it's always uplifting. Um, and it's always a new experience and it builds my confidence in the spirit and what the Lord is trying to teach me. And it also tells me that doing the gospel, all that is really doing is building your faith in Jesus Christ and bringing you closer to him while helping others do the same thing. And so I used to think of like, what is faith? Like, I think it's Elder, I want to say Elder Anderson or Elder Cook. They talk about like faith is not some, you know, thing that floats in the air, abstract thing that you have to grab and you get it. It is action, right? Like it is saying your prayers. It is doing those things and writing those things down. Like you said, 
that will pull us closer to him and bring us closer to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I love that. I love that you shared that because it can be uncomfortable sometimes when we write down those promptings and we're like, what? I have to do that? No. It it really can. I think that's part of of what I get from just this talk in general is like sometimes it's not going to be the normal thing that we do. Sometimes it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but there's growth in that discomfort. Um, I, I also just really love even the, the main theme of this, the main idea, um, about what matters most and to really ponder what am I? Okay. So if I know what matters most, what is keeping me from what matters most? Um, and sometimes it's the dumbest stuff, right? Sometimes I'm not reading my scriptures in the morning because I stayed up too late watching whatever the night before, or I'm not reading my scriptures before bed because I stayed up too late or I, you know, whatever the case may be, or I'm scrolling on social media for a long time. There are lots of distractions that can come up. Um, and she invites us to prayerfully consider what's distracting us from what matters most. Um, There was a little cute quote in here, a a little story she shared about her son's third grade teacher who taught her class to boss their brain. And um, she says, when she finds herself thinking of things, drifting toward things that matter less, she reminds herself to boss her brain. And I think that's a really good reminder. And there are lots of ways that we can do that um, to control our thoughts that then helps us to control our actions and keeps us from those things that are distracting. So if I can, I want to try to tie in. I had this thought. So in that talk, in the other talk that we're discussing today by Elder Renland, Your Divine Nature and Eternal Destiny, I think part of what helps us boss our brain or help us find the things that matter most is by first understanding who we are. And Elder Renland talks about that in the very beginning of his talk he discusses the young woman theme and he says the first statement contains or this statement oh hold on let me start over let me read the statement first it says the young woman theme begins i am a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and eternal destiny this statement contains four important truths and he goes on through all those but the first one he says is that you are a beloved daughter nothing you do or do not do can change that. So once we understand that we're a child of God and we're his, no matter what we do or do not do, that will help us then decide what matters most and be able to boss our brain into, well, I'm his child. He's my father. What would he be having me do right now? And what can I do to boss my brain back into what is mattering most for me to return to him with my family and help others do the same thing? It just brings that all right back into perspective. Yes. I love that connection so much. That's so good. And I have so many thoughts on this idea of identity. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been thinking, there's a couple of thoughts. Often when we talk about identity and who we are, it starts just the way that the young women theme starts. I am. Uh, In this case, I am a beloved daughter of heavenly parents, or I am a child of God. And how often does Satan try to trick us with identity by telling us who we are? You know, you are stupid. You are clumsy. You are all these things. And we sometimes internalize that to be, I am those things. Mm -hmm. And in all reality, that is not who we are. 
we are at our core, we're a child of God. And so all those imperfections, all those things that we're doing wrong, that's not our identity. That's not who we really are. And when we can connect to that, being understanding that we're here, we're children of God having this human experience and allowing for that human experience, but connecting with the divinity within us. I mean, it's like the most basic concept, right? But that you can go layers and layers deep. And the deeper that you understand this idea of who you really are, then it changes everything because now you know what really matters. And when Satan tries to tell you, you know, your most important identity is like we hear in the world all the time, like your sexual identity, your sexual preference is your most important identity, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, your culture is your most important. And those things that seem just so large and so huge, what really matters is who you really are, who you really are. So I love, um, I love that because that is a great, a great combination and way that we can see that the Lord is teaching us congruently. It's not, you know, we in this arena and sometimes in, um, you know, Relief Society, Elders Quorum, we get to talk about these conference talks one at a time. And yet when we can kind of bring them together and see the big picture of what the Lord wants us to know, there's really a lot of power in that. Well, and knowing who you are helps you see others for who they are, but it also helps you understand how you feel about yourself. So when you get those thoughts of, oh, I'm clumsy or I'm, I'm stupid, you know, someone, whatever it was that someone said about you, you can say, well, I don't think Heavenly Father would speak to me that way or define me that way. And it changes, it kind of flips the script on, I know who I am. And I know how I feel about myself. And so like Sister Craven, she mentioned like what's most important, how many Instagram and Facebook likes you're getting or how many times you're reading your scriptures during the week, right? And so it kind of brings it into perspective that sure, you can still post on Instagram and you might only get six likes and that's okay because that's not what matters most. What matters most is that I spent time in the scriptures today and heard the word of God and I felt his spirit. And that's what really matters. And so it just all roots from that core um, belief or fundamental truth that will never change, no matter how crazy the world gets, that we are children of God. And that makes everybody else a child of God, too. So I just I love that whole concept. I could talk about it for hours, but I don't think we should. (laughs) We should probably cover the rest of the talk. It's so good. And, you know, what it, it leads into this next part about. God's love. So knowing who we are as his children, he loves us. And Elder Renlund said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, sometimes we may not feel his love, but it is always there. And as I thought about that, the thought that came to me was what we do, the things that we do don't change God, but it does change our ability to feel whether he's there or not. And so That's really cool. He he mentions later, he says, God's love is perfect. Our ability to sense that love is not. And so isn't that interesting? Like it's always there and the variable is us. Are we in tune and able to feel that love or are we out of tune and we can't even sense what's there for us? It's true. I think of the spirit a lot. Like sometimes I question, am I feeling the Holy Ghost? Like, and the Holy Ghost can communicate Heavenly Father's love to his children. Like through the Holy Ghost, he can communicate that to us. And 
you know, I, the best, I'm sure you've heard this analogy, but the best analogy I can feel or give to that is sometimes you're just sitting in the water, like in the bathtub too long that you forget the water is there. Right. And so it's just up to us to move around and be like, oh, his love is there. Right. And I feel his spirit and it's there with me as long as I choose and make the choices for it to be there. Or well, his love will always be there, but the spirit too, you know, being there for us to help. And so I really love that. Yeah, I've actually never heard that analogy before. Oh, well, I I think I heard it in like an institute class one time because someone was like, I don't know if I always feel the spirit. And I think sometimes like before we got on this podcast, we were talking about how crazy life can get. And sometimes I feel like in those moments I pause and I'm like, did I even feel the spirit today? Or like what, what was going on in my day? And it just takes a reminder and it takes a reflection moment for me before I go to bed of how I saw his hand in my life that day. Cause he's always trying to tell us that he loves us in some way, um, some sort of way. Maybe it was that your, your phone charger actually worked and it actually connected and charged your phone right when you needed it. Right. I mean, just those little things are him trying to show you that he loves you. Um, and so I just, I love that analogy too. Yeah. I think, um, that brings up a good point too, is the idea of, of receiving, like, um, one of the ways we receive, so we're going about our day and we're running around and we're doing all the things and in your case, taking care of a baby and, you know, just all it's busy and it's noisy and it's a lot. And so sometimes without that reflection that you mentioned, we don't, we're getting it. We're getting those moments. We're getting his love, but we're not fully receiving it. Um, and I'm going to skip ahead. This is in the fourth truth that Elder Renlin talks about. He said, um, after death, we will receive what we have qualified for and enjoy only that which we are w- willing to receive. And that sparked this whole train of thought for me about this idea of receiving. We receive one, what we qualify for, and two, what we're willing to receive. And he's talking about in the long term. But I think that's true on a day to day. Also, we, when we qualify for feeling the spirit, when we qualify for feeling God's love, we don't have to qualify for his love to be there. However, like we talked about, you do have to qualify to be able to feel it so that you're in the right place. And then, um, the second part, what we're willing to receive that goes into this idea of reflection of sitting down and like, well, where was it today? Where can I see it? And the more that we do that, I think, the more we recognize it the next day, even as we're busy, it's like, oh yeah, I'm having that moment right now um, because our eyes are now open to it. Well, it becomes easier the more, it becomes easier to see it the more that you reflect. And I think that's why I love journaling so much because that's the easiest part of my day to look back. Well, sometimes it's in the morning because I just wanted to go to sleep and I'm like, okay, I'm going to journal in the morning. And I still remember those things because the Lord, the spirit's bringing those back to my recollection. Like this is what happened and this is how you felt. And, and it's important. And the more that you build that habit, the more you'll be able to recognize it in the moment, like in the moment of your day-to-day duties. Yes. And so I just absolutely love that. And I know we skipped to the fourth truth, but I love the fourth truth. It says the fourth truth is that we have an eternal destiny. And I was in a, I'm in, I'm the young women's president in our ward. And I had a training from the stake young women's presidency. And they said they, in this training, they referenced president Nelson. I can't remember which talk, but I'll try and find it. But basically 
they said that we need to remind our youth that they have a better cause. And that is the cause of Israel, like gathering Israel. And when they realize they have this purpose and this cause, it will help them to become, you know, who God wants them to be. But the same thing applies to us, even though we're not youth anymore, we still have this eternal destiny and it helps us to push forward in our day. And what was I doing in my day that's bringing me a little bit closer to that destiny? And so I just love that because it keeps everything in perspective. (laughs) And so even in the messiness, we know it's okay. I am moving towards, you know, my being together with my family forever. So, which is just one of the many truths, right? Yeah. So good though, because it does, whether we're youth or adults, having that view of the long term and that purpose, that sense of purpose and who we want to be and where we want to go makes a big difference. That's true. I love the young woman theme. I made it a challenge to memorize it with my girls and we did it and it's great, but we still hold up the poster every Sunday just in case one of us forgets the next line. (laughs) I've got to say, it's a little harder for those of us. I'm not in young women's currently, but it's hard for those of us who are a little older because there's been a lot of iterations of the theme over the years. And so Mm -hmm. you have it memorized and, uh, and then you had to memorize the new one and the new one. And so, yeah, it's, it's a little tricky when you are trying to you know, learn the new ones, but this latest young women theme, I'm not sure even when it came out, but oh, I love it so much. It's so mm-hmm. powerful. The changes that they made in this are really, um, I mean, so much thought and prayer and effort went into this. And one of the things that's different is, um, It says, when I was growing up, it said, we are daughters of our heavenly father who loves us and we love him. And now it says, it talks about heavenly parent (laughs) and that's different. And uh, Elder Renlund talked a little bit about the idea of a heavenly mother. And what he said was so beautiful because he basically said, we don't know a lot. We don't know a lot about our heavenly mother we, what we do know is wonderful that we have a heavenly mother. And, um, we know a couple things like we've been told to pray to heavenly father in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I felt there was a little caution there, like a little be careful, um, which I think is really needed, um, just from things that I hear and things that I read. Um, but I was, I was glad that he touched on that in this talk. Any thoughts on that section um, of the talk? Because I know that that was very poignant to a lot of people. I like that he said, um, it, I have it right here. He says, reason cannot replace revelation. And sometimes it's easy for us to be like, oh, well, if this makes sense, this has to make sense. Or this, for this reason, you know, whatever. And it's, not necessarily always true. And he even says before that, he says, please be cautious. And then he said, speculation will not lead to greater spiritual knowledge, but it can lead us to deception or divert our focus from what has been revealed. So when I read that, I thought, okay, we don't know much about our heavenly mother and that's okay. Um, But we need to make sure that if we're trying to seek more to know about her, that we make sure we're, um, not just reasoning our way through it or speculating that we are trying to prayerfully receive revelation and look for those things that may have already been taught about heavenly mother. And honestly, my thoughts went to look at the woman in the scriptures, look at those women and their roles as mothers. Um, 
I mean, if we are like our heavenly parents, there has to be some similarities a little bit. And so, and that's in the scriptures, that's revealed truths that have already been given to us. And so I feel safe there and not being distracted. And so those are kind of my thoughts on heavenly mother, but I cannot wait to meet her and our heavenly father, because I'm sure they're just the best dynamic duo there is. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, and I'm also excited that this hopefully comes even sooner than that, that we, that more is revealed, you know, that we, we get more understanding and knowledge here on this earth, which would be wonderful. And I think that you brought up an important point about personal revelation. Like we can receive revelation for ourselves and we need to be careful about um, what, that when we are listening to other voices that we are, um, you know, personal revelation is personal is what I'm trying to say. And the prophet receives revelation for the church. And so, um, other people's personal revelation probably falls in that category of, you know, I was going to say speculation. That's probably not entirely true, but it falls under their personal revelation. And so we need to seek that for ourselves. So anyway, such an interesting, um, needed part of his talk. Um, anything else that you wanted to make sure we touched on in either of these two talks that we've talked about today? Yeah, I have one more thing. Um, I'll kind of tie it in. It is the, the third truth. I just want to touch on it very briefly. He says, the third truth is that we have a divine nature. And I feel like we have talked on that a lot in this podcast. It's intrinsic to who we are and it comes from our heavenly parents. And it, it's important to know that it, um, requires no effort on our part, uh, but it does help us understand who we are and be able to use that divine nature and destiny that we have to help others and help ourselves. But what I really loved that I felt tied both the talks together very, very well was his ending. Um, he says, I invite you to center your life. And so something that I've been doing with Melissa, another co-host on this podcast, is finding the invitations that they leave us in conference. And so this is one that Elder Redlin has left. As he said, I invite you to center your life on Jesus Christ and remember the foundational truths in the young woman theme. And then his promise is, if you're willing, the Holy Ghost will guide you. And I just love that because as we center our life on Christ and we do remember these truths that we just talked about, we will not only have his promise of um, having the Holy Ghost with us, but that will help us to do what matters most, like Sister Craven had talked about. And so I feel like it just connects so beautifully in both the talks with his ending there. It just, I just love that promise. I love that invitation and I want that promise. So I want to do that invitation. And so it's important that we look for those and we try to post them on our social media account on Instagram or Facebook to remind us over these. uh, We only have a few more months till the next conference, but over the six months that we have to reflect and ponder these words to remember those invitations. So those are kind of my last thoughts. Thank you. I think it's always needed and so important to focus on those invitations. And the one that stood out to me in Sister Craven's talk was she said, I invite each of us to prayerfully consider those things that distract us from doing what mattereth most. And to me, that invitation is interesting because it kind of um, presupposes that we know what matters most. Um it's saying, hey, you already know. You already, because I think um, I think that's important to know. We already do know 
what matters most. And so the invitation is not like, oh, sit around and think about what actually matters the most, but to consider what's distracting you from that thing. So a couple of great invitations from our leaders, things that we can do right now because they're um, things that just take some thought work. And so wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you're driving in your car, which is where I often listen to podcasts or going for a walk or folding your laundry, all things that I do while listening to podcasts, take a minute before you go on to the next podcast or go on to the next thing and take a minute and ponder these two invitations and receive those things that the Lord wants you to receive to know what your next steps are and to really feel that. So um, that is uh, our invitation for you is to take these invitations from our leaders seriously so that they can make a difference in your life. So Shelby, thank you so much. It's been great being here with you. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk podcast, where we discuss Sister Craven's address, what Ma- do what mattereth most and Elder Renlund's Your Divine Nature and Eternal Destiny. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. We would love that. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find us on YouTube, Google, and Stitcher, and Amazon, Audible, and TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, and Facebook. Yes, and everywhere you get podcasts. You can find links to all of our platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org. Also at conferencetalk.org is pretty much everything. Go there to follow us on social media, drop us a comment, check out our show notes and find related talks, or you can learn more about us, your host. Yes. And thank you, Shelby, for getting on the podcast with me today. You can follow Shelby's other podcast. Remind us all of the name of that. Yeah. So we have a podcast called the Book of Mormon podcast, um, but our handle on social media is actually Christ-centered conversations. Awesome. So that is where you can find us. And where can our listeners find you, Chanel? Yes. So I also have another podcast specifically for moms. It's called Mom's Life Made Simple. And it's really talking about just simplifying mom life, but there are definitely gospel tie-ins there as well. So anyways, yeah, we always appreciate new followers, you guys, but it's even better to follow the prophet and the apostles themselves. That's right. We love speaking about the church and our leaders, but we do not speak for them. Everything we say on this podcast represents our own personal opinions, or as I like to say, you know, when you flip the tie over your shoulder, the the perspective (laughs) according to Chanel and Shelby. (laughs) Exactly. Join us next week for another episode of the Conference Talk Podcast.